Warning, TJ Talks is an adult-oriented podcast that does contain some explicit conversation. Welcome to TJ Talks. I'm Jed, and with me is... I'm Teresa. Hey! Well, here we are in uh, the end of... towards the end of the year. Oh. Or towards the end of the year, and uh, our podcast, this subject matter, has just been phenomenal. I think it's been fun. I like the 2.0 version. The, it's the, different. Yeah, it's but, a little more fresh in that it's you know the topics aren't so newsy that that you get lost in the dates of it all. It doesn't feel retro if you listen to it a week later. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we do take that major topic and then kind of tie it with the news, right? But I like our overall new themes. I do. It's it, more better? More, better? Yeah. More better. <laughs> more, more funner. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to stop you right now because uh, we are going to start a new program here, right? Like we're starting a new series of podcasts. Right. Should we get into that now? Well, we should. And it is just um, – this is still part of the same series. Season, so we're not changing formats again. This is just kind of a sub thing within this same right. But genre. And, and it's not going to be every week, and it'll maybe even be maybe once a month. I don't know, but we're going to do a series of podcasts based on the uh, old time Seven Deadly Sins. So our first one today is all about greed. Greed, which I think comes in number two on this list of seven deadly sins that I have in front of me. So it's, it's a high ranking deadly sin. Yeah. I, I think there are certain things that have happened that have caused greed to make it to the top of the list lately. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I think we've got hours and hours worth of material about, about how greed could rank the top of the list. But in general, just in introducing this new series that we're doing, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do shows on gluttony. We're going to do shows on lust and, and envy and sloth and somehow tie it all in. And it'll be quite entertaining, I'm sure. I think so. I think we are, we are well poised to, talk, to set the bar. Because if anybody understands and knows... <laughs> Seven deadly sins, it's us. <laughs> yes, the bar will be set extremely low. Lord knows we are in no way trying to judge people or be judgmental as we can be. Yes. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the nice thing about it really is is that we're going to lower that bar so low that you'll be able to step right over it and not have to worry that you're breaking, you know, that you're in the, in the seven deadly sin zone. That's right, because we're going to talk about how some, today, how some greed is actually good, right? Greed is good. Right. That was the Wall Street deal. Right. Well, Mr. Gecko. Yeah, we'll talk about him. Uh-huh. But, and also, coming up in those other shows, like, I can certainly speak about how great being a sloth is, or, you know, how great gluttony is. Who doesn't want to overeat? So, I think there's always good to these bad things. So, we're going we're gonna to go through all of that in the next coming months. Well, maybe next week would be a good sloth or gluttony show. Oh, gluttony on Thanksgiving week. That's oh my right. gosh. Well, we could spend hours alone talking about pumpkin pie and gluttony for me. So uh, yes. <laughs> all right. That'll be good. Okay. Well, enough about next week. Let's talk about this week. Yeah. Greed. Greed. You want to hear the definition? I do. What is the definition of greed? We all know. It's like a, the first thing that comes to your mind is like Scrooge, right? Or, or yeah. for Disney fans, Scrooge McDuck. But huh? greed is an excessive desire to possess wealth or goods or abstract things of value with the intention to keep it for one's own. Greed is an inappropriate expectation. Really? An inappropriate <laughs> expectation? Yes. According to these folks, it is. Okay. Yes. Now, where did we? Where did you come up with that? Um, I believe that was a Webster or a. I'm trying to figure. Out, I think that's usually the one I go to. Okay. Yeah. So just so we are kind of quoting that, you know, we didn't just make this up. No, Lord knows I can't make up anything like that sounds intelligent. <laughs> so no, no, that wasn't me. Yeah, this is. So I this wasn't is, riffing on that one. No. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think there's been a lot of conversation about greed, and if if you would have talked this conversation. A few years ago, people would probably say greed is good. Oh, I don't think so, but okay. I mean, 
because there are there are a few years ago, like 1984, maybe or oh well, you know that that was the time of the yuppies when it was the whole me generation of the me decade, all of that. Yeah, I think maybe that might have been more of a time when greed was thought of as a good thing, but I don't know that it would be in recent years. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, I think maybe because you go before whenever the housing crash bubble hit. Yes. You go before that. And greed was okay. You know, I... Well, wait a minute, though. Was greed okay because we didn't know people were being greedy? I mean, do, did people know inherently that these mortgage lenders were, were being nefarious? Or were they just going along with it and didn't want to know? Well, well, I think there's a little bit of that. I, I think what we have, and I'm based upon some of the things that I've observed lately. And you can go on Google and Google greed and you'll come up with all sorts of crazy stuff and go on uh, YouTube and watch some videos. And the people who are really pro greed are the people who are the most capitalist in their mindset. They, they believe there's a, a common belief that it takes a incentive, the incentive for money or for something, that greed, in order to get to a higher state of something. That okay. that people aren't going to do it just because it's the right thing to do and they do it for free. That there has to be a gain at the end in order. Right. Mm-hmm. And the gain's not inherently bad, I think, is what you're trying to say, Right. 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 And in some cases, uh, that's where that idea of greed is good. I mean, if, uh, I guess, and these are, the good examples of greed are things such as Einstein being a scientist and getting paid to come up with these philosophies that, you know, that there's an incentive for him to do it that is part of the greed. Maybe it's uh, being the best scientist in the world. It's okay. like, you know, we were kind of thinking uh, money, millionaires being the most, you know, ha- hoarding the most amount of money. He who dies with the most stuff wins, right? Right. Yeah. And I saw a uh, an interview with Ted Turner. And Ted Turner, who is quite notably one of the richest guys in the world, one of, uh-huh. was saying that he looks at the list and he's in competition to see who can have more money. Okay. You know, now, mind you, this is quite a while ago. But, and he was talking about Warren Buffett in this particular video, and he said that, you know, Warren, Warren Buffett should give all his money away. He has, he's the richest man in the world. He'll, nobody ever will be any richer than Warren Buffett. And it wasn't much later than after Ted Turner gave a billion dollars to the UN. Uh-huh. That Warren Buffett started giving his money away. And then so did Bill Gates has given his money away. And, here, and you know, who who out of that set do you never hear of being a big philanthropist? What's his name? Steve Jobs, right? Oh, yeah, Steve Jobs is no no philanthropy, totally anti. But I don't think he comes off as a persona of being greedy, though. I don't think he comes off as being negative for that. I just don't think he gets the kudos for doing it, or you well, know, because he doesn't do it. Well, you know, he was the famous CEO that took a dollar for his salary. While he was True. trying to fix the company. And I think because he didn't live an extravagant lifestyle or extravagant to the way that he could have, he definitely comes off looking better in that debate. Well, that we know of. Well, right. But he had a modest house. and You know, it's still a very beautiful home. Mm-hmm. And he lived in a great neighborhood. But it wasn't the biggest, most lavish, most extravagant house. He didn't drive the most extravagant car. So he didn't have that sort of flair to him that, to flaunt his money. So nor did he donate his money. So I guess that, that was the line he walked. Of course, he has kids, and we'll see what his kids do with all this money. Yeah, well, that's, that has got to mess with your brain in a way that I certainly won't understand, being given just vast quantities of money. I don't know what that does to a human being. Yeah, that will be... going to alter them. So... Okay, so I have some weird tangent I want to take you on, okay? Okay, okay. All right. So when you Google greed mm-hmm. and you look at the images, one of the images that comes up is the image for the medical association or the, the doctor image, the staff and the snake. Okay? Oh, right. The caduceus. So, 
The caduceus, exactly, all right? Uh-huh. So this, that is also known as the symbol of greed. Really? Yes. And I was blown away when I read this because I never thought of that. And interestingly enough, there are two different – I feel sort of like – what's his name? Dan Brown who writes the Da Vinci Code books because his guy, the, the famous doctor Robert – uh, you know, the Tom Hanks guy yeah, in the movie, right. is the sim- symbologist, right? So he knows all these these behind-the-scenes meanings. So I feel a little Dan Brownish. But examining the caduceus, uh, the symbol of greed and profit in modern medicine, and the interesting thing about it is there's two different gods that it's based on. Right. One uh, one god was a good god, decent guy, etc., and he was known for carrying his staffs and the, and the uh, snakes. And then Mercury is the other god... <clears throat> And his staff became one of the symbols. He's fleet of foot and swift. Uh, you know, he's he's known as the winged foot guy. Yeah. But he also carried the staff encircled by two vipers. And the vipers are a symbol of trickery, deceit, stealth, and death. So it was very interesting that they would choose to use that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we get words like mercenary from Mercury. And apparently he was not the most... Uh, he carried lots of attributes, but he was also associated with trickery and greed and wealth and death. So he was known as the protector of thieves. So his staff became one of his symbols, and that symbol is essentially the caduceus, the med- medical symbol. Wow. So it's pretty fascinating when you think about it. And then you think about uh, what's one of the biggest drug companies out there, Merck. Yeah. So tell me that that's not a coincidence or or at least they didn't hire someone good to do their background study to find out that that might not be the best name to have when you're doing, you know, doing business as a medical company. Wow, that is pretty amazing because that is definitely what I'm seeing because I'm on Google and it was like the first thing that comes up. It's the first thing that comes up. And who would have thunk, right? I would definitely not have thought that at all. So I, th- I just thought that was very interesting. And I feel like I think – Drug companies in particular have this total greed thing about them. Um, you know, people associate them with being greedy. But in the instance, instances where I think greed can be good, I can also see the flip side of that. Because as a drug company, you have to sell your drugs to make money, right? Right. And, and upon selling these drugs at even what most of us would consider outrageous prices – that's how they're funding their research for new and better drugs. So it's this weird cycle we've created of creating profitable healthcare in that we can cure your fungus with a with a, a drug that we, you know, manufactured 20 years ago. And so now that drug has more than paid for its own research and now it's nothing but profit to us. So those profits are what are developing the newest cancer drugs or the latest and greatest AIDS medication or whatever the new, uh, you know, thing is du jour to cure. So them being greedy and making all their money is also contributing to the well-being of us. So it's it's just such a weird, cloudy, gray area. I don't know. Well, I guess that, and it goes back to our definition of greed, is that when, do, when is enough enough? When is it out of control? When when does somebody say, okay, uh, you, you, are, you are going the wrong direction with, with with the with the financial uh, benefits of what you do, right? And I think I don't. Well, obviously, we're not going to solve this problem, but I think that there's just it seems like a total lack of oh, I can't think of the best way to describe it, but clarity or clear thinking on the fact of yeah, what is enough? And and apparently, there is never enough. In American society, right? Like everything has to be bigger. Everything has to be better. Is that because we're Americans? Is that because we're I – mean, I don't think all cultures share this bigger is better mentality like we do. Um, I, I think that capitalism does share that in different ways across the board though. I think the But I, do you think any other countries embrace capitalism the way we do? Well, no, because there's enough – other social programs that allow you to not be as um, engaged in that way, but or or mired down with it, right? But but you know, on, on your flip side, and to go with your argument, where do the innovations in this world really come out of? 
Well, I still think in America we, we still lead the way in a lot of innovations, right? I mean, I know that China and India are emerging strongly and that maybe within 10 years we won't lead that. Not in I, innovation, they're not. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But in within a matter of time, I have a feeling that that lead that we have is going to slip, right? Don't no, you think? No, because they're not capitalists. They're communists. They're, they're, they're disincentivized to really be creative, to have the, the business acumen to be gabillion, zillion, trillionaires and all that kind of stuff. In America, you can start with nothing and be everything. And right. in, in, in these other countries, well, you're, you're basically told, well, you know, the government will take care of you and, you know, this is enough. Huh. Well, well, we could talk about that for for a long time because I don't, and I feel bad because my opinion sways from one side to the other depending upon I don't know what day it is sometimes. So, I think. but but okay, here's here's this is this one example that I really feel really strongly about. I think that if you are the person who starts a company, you've decided I'm going to start Teresa's uh, pies and and cookie store. And you okay. start off with a store in Ontario. So and, why can't it be Teresa's Computer Development Center? How okay. come you instantly went to the kitchen for me, Jed? Are you just are you just being a uh, male? Actually, what happened was because <laughs> uh, Heidi had talked about selling pies, <laughs> and I know that she's doing pies for for her place. No, it's and, your inherent male sexism. But yes, oh, go that, on. that was last week's podcast, and everybody download that and listen to that. <laughs> go on with your point, Judd. Okay, so you open up. Teresa's computer expert uh, company in in Ontario. <laughs> and the joke is, either of those fields couldn't be more disparate for me. I would never make pies for a living. I could never manage computers. So I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> okay. And you're a super success. People, of course I am. They yeah. love your stuff. Whatever you do. <laughs> Everything you touch turns to gold. That's right. And before you know it, you don't have one store. You have five stores, and okay. five stores become twenty stores. And yep. before you know it, you're bigger than In-N-Out Hamburgers. Woohoo! All right? right, and you've got this zillion-dollar company. Okay, you're the CEO, and you're making ten million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You deserve it because you built it with your own sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. You betcha, baby. That, that's your company. That's right? why I think that people love Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs is the founder of Apple. So right. you can't really fault the guy who started the company who's the CEO, nor, right. nor can you a Bill Gates who started the company. Right. But you get these other CEOs who show up. They just, yeah. you know, they went to Harvard Business School or wherever they went to. Yep. And, and they take their resume and they go, look, I'll be your CEO. I went to school. I've worked in some companies, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've, you know, shook some babies and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. and kissed kiss some, some hands. hands right? yes, yes, that's what they do. And then all of a sudden they're making a gazillion billion dollars and you're going to yourself as a, a, a worker in that company. Um, really? That mm-hmm. you're making, you're making... 300 times what the salary is of your workers and you walked in the door and depending on how big this you know you know this superopolis megaopolis company is mm-hmm. you, you know the CEO doesn't even probably have that kind of level of granularity to even know who his employees are of course not right yeah. Not that you necessarily expect that, but as they get so big, they have different, like, let's say an AT&T or a Sprint or a Verizon. The CEO of a company like that can't possibly be really knowing and marketing the bottom line. You know, your internet service, your cable, your wireless, all these kind of things, data to business, all the, you know, solutions and stuff. It really is the presidents of those sectors that mm-hmm. are really driving the corporate strategy and structure for that organization. Right. The CEOs are just massaging the, you know, the investors or the uh, shareholders, right? And keeping everybody. But I don't know that they even do a good job of that anymore. Well, 
I think a lot of them don't, exactly. Uh, yeah, but they're th- still paid handsomely for th- it. That's my point. I don't right. know what bang for the buck that companies are getting. Right. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody who would, you know, the one good example of CEOism, I think, are the Ben and Jerry's guys, right? Like, they've determined they're only going to make a certain amount, it's uh, like 30 times more than oh, their employee. They, they scrapped that. Employee. They scrapped oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, they, no. Yeah, I they didn't s- know that. They said that they couldn't get Greedy a... Greedy bastards. Yeah, oh. they couldn't get a CEO worth their weight that could run the company that was, at whatever, it, it, it their original ideology they couldn't get somebody i'm so disheartened i never i didn't know that oh bummer well it's not going to stop me from buying their ice cream unfortunately (laughs) no and actually they don't even own the company anymore they sold the whole thing they're done with it huh yeah well they're they're actively involved in running the company but the corporation itself is owned by uh, you know a really a big company somebody else everything is owned by somebody else though They, they, they sold out a long time ago but so all right, so there, there goes my only good example I had of corporate CEOism. So that goes out the window. I know. But I know. At least we, you know, tried. So mm-hmm. I guess, like I said, I'm still not going to stop buying their ice cream. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. Okay. So all right, so moving a little bit from the CEO thing, mm-hmm. and, and you mentioned Verizon specifically, right? And I have this little article here about Verizon and how in the years 2008 through 2010. Verizon paid a negative 2.9% tax rate, and they enjoyed $14 billion in federal, state, and corporate income tax subsidies in 2008 through 2010, even though they earned $33.4 billion in pre-tax U.S. income alone. So I don't know. I, I know Verizon operates overseas. I don't know. I'm sure it's not as large as it is here, but they received a $14 billion income tax subsidy and they made $33.4 billion in profits. So how, how does this compute? How, how does that not ring out that's untrue? And this whole co- idea of corporate greed that we're talking about, how do we fix this? How do we stop this? The Occupy Wall Street people, that's what they're sort of clamoring about, right? Well, see, I think that's the case. I think that they're... The, their message is muffled because, A, they don't have a spokesperson. They don't have really good communications to the masses and right. and the organizations that are kind of going oh there's all these upset people and you know let's face it it's a liberal you know left wing kind of movement yes so yes. i mean it's just it's no one's going to deny that no, no no just like the tea party is a, a right wing conservative type movement although uh, the tenets of both of them are a little bit the same so it is a little bit strange how the far right tea party folks and the far left Occupy Wall Street folks who have a lot of the same beefs about corporate welfare and, you know, bailouts and all this and that, they could never see eye to eye, no. which is really a shame. Well, and, and also because the Occupy Wall Street folks don't have their own news network, right? I mean, we don't. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> We've well, got they, a little bit got, of MSNBC, yeah, but MSNBC, it's, not, right. it's not the Fox, you know, <laughs> juggernaut, so to speak. Sure. So. <laughs> right. Broadcasting to the masses. Yeah. So, I think though that there's that um, that corporate greed, like you're talking about, which is right. different than an individual person when a, a you know a unique human being says, "I want," and I'm going to create a product and sell it and make a lot of money. That's different than a corporation. Well, and then listen to what Verizon has to say about their lack of paying any taxes. Uh-huh. Um, they claim that these types of tax subsidies, et cetera, and the benefits they get to it lead to reinvestment in workers and research and development. But Verizon apparently has done essentially the opposite. They've laid off tens of thousands of workers. They've cut back on, on expenses by a billion dollars. So that's a billion dollars they're not putting into the economy. And um, on top of it, the company CEOs made massive bonuses during the same time period, those two years there. So it really doesn't give any validity to the argument that these corporations need tax benefits to stay here in the U.S. There's just, it's just not happening. They're just not reinvesting in their workforce. Or creating any new jobs, for that matter. Uh, I agree. I think that it's well. Look at look at the stock. I, right. I mean, if you pull up Verizon stock right now, you probably find out that Verizon stock is 
not really done much. And this is what kills me as a consumer and an individual. I have Verizon everywhere that you could possibly have Verizon. Uh I'm speaking to you now on the Fios line that Verizon supplies for me. I use my iPhone too many hours a day on the Verizon network. And I'm thrilled with Verizon in, in that they provide all of these things to me that give me service, right? And I don't want to change my provider, even though based on this information, A, I probably should, and B, I, I just, I, I don't want to change because it's a hassle. And where am I going to go? AT&T? They've got as many corporate skeletons in their closets too. So this whole idea that the marketplace will correct corporate misbehavior is so absurd to me because we can't, we can't change the the way the marketplace even is to have an impact and punish these corporations who do bad things. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I mean, I could go back to a tin can and a string and not be able to speak to anyone and live in the year 2011 without any sort of electronic devices, but that's not what I want to do either. And I, I don't understand why we can't, we can't, we don't have a bigger vote with our dollar. Everyone says that we do. And I just don't feel like we do. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the whole year of Verizon right now, their stock. It's gone right. from $31.90 a share up to $37 a share, which is a $6 change over the course of a year. Right. That's like nothing. They got right. the freaking iPhone in the beginning of the year. Yeah. What did they, you know, they should be like $50, $60 a share. Hmm. I mean, I would think, right? There should You'd be, think. Well, you would think they'd be doing great. So why is that CEO not fired? There's yeah. no performance here. If this, if stock is a performance based upon, you know, CEO's performance, they should be gone. Then he should be gone. And I guess the problem is it'd be a revolving door, right? Because well, there'd th- be no way to – well, the stock market is so temperamental, but when your whole – Report card is based on what your stock is worth. Then you have to go with that temperament, I guess. But what what pisses people off is that this here's where the greed comes from: is that all these boards are in cahoots, and then a guy who sits on the board is the CEO of another company, and so mm-hmm. you don't want to mess up one your your buddy. So you make mm-hmm. sure that the guy you know if we're gonna let this guy go and fire him, he gets ten million dollars. Yeah, thanks. Like, like the CEO of Ford, they had a guy in there for six months. They fired him because he sucked, and they gave him $10 million to leave. What the? Yeah, the golden parachute. Don't you love that? I Meanwhile, mean, the rest of us are getting the golden shower out of the whole deal. I mean, it just really sucks. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. That, yeah, no. <laughs> you, you, you nailed it. Nailed it right on the head. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I don't want to pick on Verizon because, like I said, I you know they're just an example, and this was just one of the first negative articles I could find, even though there were millions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the whole outsourcing of jobs thing, I think we've talked about this on the show before. You know, people, companies are corporations are putting jobs in countries that the U.S. doesn't even want to do business with, essentially, or we have strained diplomatic relations with, and and we're building extensions of you know US companies now they're multinational companies but essentially they're US companies overseas just because the labor's cheaper and and that's just a, it's just greed it's just well, greed I, I don't like the fact that like I've got Bright House Roadrunner for my internet uh-huh and so I called up cuz I had problems here which is right. why I think our sound wasn't so good last time mm-hmm. and so I call up and I say hey my speed sucks and the, my phone call was it went off to the Philippines. Right. You know, yes. I don't hate the people in the Philippines. I just don't think that service that's provided to my house needs to be responded to by someone in the Philippines. It doesn't make any sense on any other level but money. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, and here again... What are you going to do? Not use Roadrunner for your service and and find somebody else? It feels like almost every company has this this outsourcing thing going on. So I I don't know how you'd vote with your dollar on that. You and you can't because right. whether it's AT and T, I'm sure you know they've got a call center somewhere else um, outside of the United States. I just think though that I mean, and this is probably where the government regulation 
Oh yeah, baby. You know, using that <laughs> that bad word, regulation. Yes. You know, but will will it really make things worse or better? Okay, so let's talk about that because I have another example okay, that good. bugs the crap out of me. Um, all right, so first of all, one tangent question I have for you. All these debates that they're having, and they're ad nauseum, these Republican debates, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, Rick Perry's famous oops gaffed when he forgot the name of the third agency he wanted to eliminate. Uh, and I need to research this, but do you know off the top of your head, does a president have the right to eliminate an depart- entire department? Just because he says so, is there no congressional ratification of the elimination of the Department of Education or Energy or the – he could just say you no longer exist and they're gone? I don't think so. I think it he can recommend a, it. Right. It's it like a lot of power for a president to have. So, And maybe they can because I understand that those secretaries are part of their cabinet That's whom true. they handpick. So right. if they don't pick a secretary, maybe they don't have a department. I don't know. But I just keep wondering – can he really do that or can anybody really do that? So we need to find that out. I should Google that at some point and, and, and find that out. But, okay, so if we eliminate the Department of Transportation and Safety, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's the good folks at the Department of Transportation and Safety that advised car companies, I don't know, 50-some-odd years ago, maybe you ought to put some seatbelts in your cars. And the car companies fought it tooth and nail. They didn't want to put seatbelts in. It's an added expense. Nobody's going to wear them. It's not necessary, etc. Well, I think that the beauty of time now has shown that in 50 years, seatbelts save lives. And, and whether or not we should be mandated to have to wear them is a whole other podcast we could have. But it's the whole idea that the companies didn't want to do it because it costs so much more. And yet, the intrinsic value to human life, you can't put a price on how many lives have been saved by seatbelts. So thinking that eliminating agencies and eliminating regulations, companies are just going to be on their best behavior and do what's right for people is the most naive mindset I can even imagine. And this idea of corporate benevolence, which just makes me giggle every time I hear that term, I I don't understand anyone who thinks that that's a reality. No. No, no. <laughs> Thank you for not disagreeing with me because I'm just, it just gets in my craw, you know? Mm-hmm. And think that we can also negotiate and massage how much regulation, and, and yes, we should regulate some places and deregulate in others. I don't disagree with that completely. But eliminating the, the EPA and letting cor- companies just pollute at will. It's crazy. Uh, just, Not that they would, but just you know what I'm saying. For the record, I, I have the answer for you. Oh, the, good. Let's, let okay. us know. Okay. The answer is uh, short, short term, ain't going to happen. Okay. Thank <laughs> not, you. Not by the president's pen, uh, at least not directly. He, would ha- he can push for the idea, but Congress has to pass it. All right. And it only so. takes 40 votes to hold up the, you know, the elimination of something. In fact, Ronald Reagan was going to get rid of the Department of Education, and he didn't get rid of it. So, and and for things that they claim need so much work, the Department of Education, for instance, that he wants to eliminate, how is it going to get fixed if you eliminate the department? It's just, it, what was his end plan there? I don't get it. Yeah, it was uh, commerce, uh, education, and energy. And energy, correct. And you know, not the EPA, like somebody else suggested. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the irony of it is that commerce, Department of Commerce, is what America's all about. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I haven't read his thought process on it. I don't know that there is a thought process on it. But anyway, I think that I, I'm glad to hear that it's not easily done by the president to have those things eliminated. Isn't it, though, I mean, isn't that part of greed? The reason to get rid of those departments is so that business can run amok. Well, that's just it. Everybody who was in business to make a buck, yeah, they're thrilled with the, the idea of deregulation and eliminating these departments because regulations cost money, right? And mm-hmm. mandates cost money. So nobody wants to pay that. Right. And we're talking about greed, I think. I think one of the reasons why we're talking about greed and with Occupy Wall Street and stuff like that is the fact that today, more than ever, the difference between the rich and the poor is a more widening gap than it oh, has ever been. Right, right. And the haves and the have-nots 
there's so much space in between those two categories now that it's, yeah, it's become problematic and people are angry about it. Exactly. I mean, I'm not here to say that the Occupy Wall Street guys are doing anything to fix the problem because I kind of think that they've, they've already done what they need to do and they need to get back to, you know, the people who had jobs need to go back to their jobs if they still have them. <laughs> and the ones who don't have jobs, they're in the wrong place. Wall Street right. isn't going to fix the problem. It, because they won't fix themselves. That I guess that's part of the greed factor, is that greedy people don't know they're greedy. They think that they're just doing what's right for them and everybody else. Well, yeah, and they should figure it's their right to earn as much money as they want, right? That, and I'm not saying it's not their right to earn enough as much money as they want. I just, I just think it comes back to where we started with. When is enough enough? On the throats of your fellow Americans. Correct, and that's what it really feels like to the rest of us, you know, 99 percenters, right? Uh, yeah, or whatever we are, you know. I, we, the people who were, you know, paying taxes and and owning homes and trying to just barely scratch by. Right. You know, when you screw us over and take away our ability to make a living so that, right. you, so that you can have more, I think that's where the issue really lies. Right. Yeah, so. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, all right. So let's get away from the whole corporate side of this. Are there, well, maybe your example is still corporate, but mm -hmm. are there, is there one example of people or a thing or something that you think is the most greed example, greediest example you can think of? Like what, what came to your mind? The greediest of the greedies. Well, yeah, mine was a... A, a corporation. I think that corporate greed exceeds personal greed more than anything possible in the world. Okay. I mean, when I look at banks, you know, just, it's like Bank of America, my own bank that I bank with, uh -huh. and, you know, and saying that they're going to charge me to use my debit card. Yeah. Five bucks a month. Yeah. You know, all of these, these, uh, Ways to screw the consumer out of having access to their own cash. They charge you ten dollars to process an overdraft coverage from your own savings account. I mean, it's crazy what they charge you. Yeah, yeah, and it's so, your money to protect your thing. It just—it's—it's insanity. And so you kind of ask yourself, um, really, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and here again. Go to a different bank. Okay. But they're it's the ones. Hard. They, they are the ones who created the cashless society. <laughs> How know? are we supposed to be a cashless society and an ownership society all at once? I'm so confused. Right? <laughs> they, they wanted a cashless society. They got it. And now they're going to charge you all the money that you own or have saved so that you can have access to the no money that you have. Of course, because they think that your money is their money, right? That's right. Your money is their money, and that that's exactly what they, what at least you should probably think. Because and somehow their money is never your money. Like bank error in your favor always never happens, right? That never happens. I, I've never been the monopoly guy. Oh, no. <laughs> really? Two hundred dollars? You wouldn't look good with a monocle and a top hat anyway. Uh, uh, nobody, yeah. nobody does this day and age. <laughs> All right. So I have my example of greedy people. Mm -hmm. okay. And these are people. And you're going to know who they are. And I think, in fact, it's almost, I'm almost speechless when I think about them and, and what they've done to their family. These goddamn Duggars. You know, the people with the 20 children or 19 and counting. And now she's pregnant with number 20. Okay. Now, I think that is... A horrible example of greed in in as much as the argument can be made that yes they're paying their own way no they're not on assistance blah 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 they they can afford it right I still think 20 children is too many and the greed factor comes from these people thinking that it's their job to do God's work and populate the earth with their spawn and and at 20 kids those kids are not getting the individual attention they need from their parents. They're not getting anything like a smaller family would get as far as cohesive day-to-day -day life. I just think they're, 
I just, and it just was announced last week that she was pregnant again. And, and I think, you know, it's a uterus, not a turnstile, and she needs to stop. <laughs> it's just terrible. I think they're greedy people. And I think I'd be curious to know what they do as far as philanthropy. I'm sure they probably can't with their 20 kids. I, I don't know. How do they afford 20 kids? Does well, guy- he's some sort of real estate mogul or whatever, so... That right there raises an eyebrow as to whatever. And, of course, they're super Christian, so God will provide whatever they need. And, and that's fine to be Christian, and it's fine to, to practice, you know, uh, fornication is for, for uh, reproduction. I get it. But 20 I kids, I don't I just, get it. Sorry. I, I don't get it either. But I'm saying if that's what you want to live, then fine. But 20 kids, really? It just it seems very greedy to me on their part. And, and – borderline child abuse and at least a little bit of child neglect in as much as these kids cannot be really getting attention like they should from their parents. And so they're all a year apart. So they're, they're really like those, uh, those Russian dolls that you stick one inside the other. Right. <laughs> and they all have J names, right? Aren't they Jadens and Jordans and uh, Jebediahs and Jerusalem and never whatever? Never watched yeah. the show. Well, I don't watch the show, but I know who they are and they've been on enough things. Oh. And, and in general, um, I, I'm not trying to make a case like people who have multiple births or whatever. I don't think that that's the same. I think this deliberate, willful amount of children octomom. is for the great, the octomom. Well, I guess. I, I don't know. But for these people, this is a conscious decision. And, of course, octomom consciously got impregnated with all those embryos. But I'm fairly certain that... It was not expected that all of them would survive that. Right. So, you know, I, I, I'll give her the pass on that in that she didn't set out to have eight kids, even though she had eight embry- right. embryos planted. Who knew they were all going to take, right? I mean, I think that's the argument that can be made. And, and she's greedy for other reasons, I'm sure. But I don't know. This Duggar uh, just are my example. Well, my, my real big deal, beef is, is that the TV company that puts on a show for it is greedy because they feed into other people who watch it and advertisers and the whole thing that we promote it. You know, well, it's all exploited, and it's but all of TV is exploitation. I I don't know. Well, for, um, for reality TV. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think for for NCIS, it's exploiting, you know, crime and and whatever weirdness happened. Or not or CSI is the story, the show that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're all sort of guilty of that. But uh, I don't know. I just think as people go, those darn um, Duggars are pretty greedy. Man. That's just me. Okay. Well, cool. <sighs> wow, I'm kind of like tired. We've been talking. I know. <laughs> all this greed. Yeah, I'm tired of talking so much. You, you talk now. <laughs> well, you know, I, the one thing, though, that I think I got from this whole greed thing is that it is okay to be personally greedy to want to succeed. That, I agree. And I, you know, so I, I don't want to say that greed is 100% evil. You know, it's this deadly sin, greed. I think it's okay to be greed, greedily want to save your money for a rainy day to make sure that your kids have what they need to have. Yes. I, I think that when you hurt other people that's when greed that's where we start to see that that line fade away when and i think it's a little bit different if you want to have what you want to have for you and for your security or etc okay but if you do it at the like you said at the expense of other people or at the willing happiness at other people's demise or taking from them and being happy about that i think that's when you cross the line into being sinful when when a company takes money from the government and then takes jobs away from Americans, and it's an American company, that's greed, and that's bad. That's bad. If you, you should be punished. If you take the money and you build a bunch of jobs, you, you get the greed factor, but you also get the good. You know? Yeah. It's what you do with what you have. It's how you reinvest the money to make more money that's important, in my mind. Right. Right. And I think... I don't think any of these arguments would be prevailing on Occupy Wall Street if any of us felt like there was any reinvestment 
of the handouts that were given. I get it that a lot of these companies have paid the money back and a lot of banks are – in fact, I think it's almost all paid back, right? But they're still holding on to the trillion dollars in cash and they're not loaning it. So, right. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, they make money but don't uh... – you know, fix the problem, which is yeah. is that's what capitalism's all about is loaning the money so that that's right that things can succeed and and that's where the the hiccup is. Yeah, ugh, I know it gives you a headache. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so this was a fun deadly sin to talk about. I can't wait to talk about the six others. Uh, yeah, well, we got some other good ones coming up, right? <laughs> Lust, gluttony. I guess we didn't talk a lot about personal experience on this one. Like, I don't. I don't know. I, I think as individuals, we'd be less inclined to call ourselves greedy. I guess there's things I'm greedy about. I just don't necessarily want to, A, admit to it, or B, own it right now in my brain. But um, the other ones I could probably speak to from firsthand experience. <laughs> I think it'll yeah. be better. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I mean, from a personal standpoint, and I think that nobody would d- deny that we don't want to make as much money as we can. Right. You know, I mean, that's not... The bad thing, which we talked about, from a personal standpoint, it's a little different than from a corporate responsibility. You're not employing anybody. Right, right. You know? And you can't be held accountable when you break the law when you're this giant corporation. And, yeah, although you're person now, right? Isn't that the deal? They have personhood? Yeah, until they execute one. I don't believe they're a person. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I love it. But, I mean, if you you want to earn, if you if they... If your time is up for raise and you're like, I want to earn a couple more dollars an hour, is that greed? I don't think so. I think no. It's, it's no, I think that's the natural progression of things. Yeah. Earning more and getting more is, is fine to want it and to get it. It's just when it's at the expense of society, it's a problem. Right. Now, I, I don't mind it at the expense of my coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on which coworker. Some of them I like, some of them I don't. Well, so. <laughs> well, would you? Would you? Here's a question. Okay, here's the greed question. Here's oh, your no. moral dilemma question. Oh no, I'm not good at these. Okay, so th- your company has, uh, you know, uh, per, let's just say you, you're, there's ten employees, and they can give either you a two dollar an hour raise, uh-huh. or they can split it up between all ten people equally. Which way uh, is the fair way to divide the money? And if and if you are clearly the person who should get uh, the the ten the two dollars an hour raise, right? And the other ones uh, should not because they've not performed. Which way do you go? Then okay, I'm gonna say that. Of course, I'm speaking for myself, which is gonna make this sound wrong. But yes, if I am head. And shoulders above everybody in productivity, in energy, in attendance, whatever it is, whatever the monitors are to gauge how performance should be awarded or rewarded, then yes, I or that person should receive the $2 and it shouldn't be spread out amongst everybody. Uh, It's it's hard to say, or, or or maybe there's some sort of scale that you could use to to determine what who gets what. I just feel like it's not wrong to be rewarded for good work. And I don't think country, uh, companies or corporations should be should not be rewarded for making good products and selling good things. I think I think they can reap the rewards and their profits. But I think when they do that to the extreme is the problem. And I've said that I guess I've said that 47 times in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So bottom line, yes, your question to me, if I'm the better employee, then yeah, I want the money. Of course I do. Right. We're working hard. That's right. why we go to work is to earn money and to do the best job we can so we can right. take care of our families. And if somebody else isn't working as hard and is not earning it, then, then they shouldn't get it. And that's part of capitalism. Right. And so that's the whole anti-union ar- argument, right? Is that, well, when you're a union laborer, that you can't make more money than the guy next to you who does his job half-assed because you're stuck making what the union wage scale is so you can't be promoted or inflated in that way and and so there's the good and bad to both of those arguments Mm -hmm. even though yeah you cannot be above and beyond your fellow employee when you work in a union wage setting except here's the here's the counterbalance on the union argument so you work for company a that says um you know well this year we only have two dollars to give 
out and only one employee is going to get it. And you're not Teresa, but you've worked hard too. Mm-hmm. But Teresa's going to get the whole $2. Right. And I'm, so then- I'm totally disincentivized to work any harder next time because, you know, screw it. You know, yeah. I'm never getting a raise in this damn place. Right. I can work as hard as I want, and they're going to not treat me fair. Right. And, well, you know, because you're the fair-haired child, so you get uh, you get everything, and the rest of us get nothing. But and you don't know what I had to do to get that $2 raise. And uh-huh. that was last week's show. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh-huh. I worked hard for that $2. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh we could talk for 17 hours about this mm. so, so but i think we really kind of covered all of the the aspects that we wanted to yep so right. so we talked about what lust or lust <laughs> <laughs> we talked about which sin is on your mind i huh? know what, what, <laughs> greed <laughs> we talk, okay uh leaving that in <laughs> yeah of course so, uh, yes, we talked about greed, what it is, and uh, we went through corporate greed, personal greed, and is it good, is it not good? What else did we, what else did we talk about? I don't know, we talked about seatbelts, and we talked about uteruses, and we talked about golden showers. <laughs> what else did we talk about today? Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, good times, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, and Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code and all those fun things. Yeah, and, and even some Rick Perry. Ugh, yes. Yes, and he's not getting to eliminate anything. Even I'm so glad you found that out. Now I can sleep better at night. Yeah. First, because I kept thinking, well, the whole guffaw aside, mm-hmm. can he even eliminate these places that, if he no. could remember them, could he even eliminate them? No. So I'm glad no. we have... Sorry. Congress. It would be like him eliminating the Department of Defense. Yeah, I just don't think... Another cabinet be. member. And right, That's right. established by Congress, so, no. All right, well, I think that's about it. So that's for it. For TJ Talks, I'm Judd. And I'm Teresa. And we will talk to you later. Talk to you later. But you don't know what I had to do to get that $2 raise. And that was last week's show.